when we were there last week, my dad was like, so we have long-term care insurance and my antenna went up more. Unfortunately, we got distracted by something. <laughs> Rachel, this is what happened in the fall. You make me say these things out loud. And then I'm like, oh no, I really should remember. Hi, Grandma. So, you want to play, Grandma? You want to play that part from Measure 9? Yep. Hello, fellow shit sisters and siblings. Reverend Rachel here. Today, I'm going to introduce you to another dear friend from college who is at the very start of shit, at an even earlier stage than our mutual Ami from April's podcast. I think many of you will relate to Carolyn's baby steps as she negotiates the impending parent-child role reversal with an adorable mix of sensitivity, self-awareness, and insect impersonation. Before I introduce you to my next starter shit sister, let me just recap why this monthly podcast exists. After accumulating 10 years and counting of elder care intel, I decided to create my irreverent empire of insights, anecdotes, and audio, all found on my website, thisisgettingold.com, just add some dashes, in order to support the undertakings of you, my fellow shit sisters and siblings. The purpose of my monthly podcast is to provide empathy and education about the start, middle, and end of the elder care trenches. And to remind each other why we're all gathered here together, I start each episode with a grandma cameo. Since Carolyn has known my 86-year-old mother since 1991, she was particularly tickled to learn I interviewed mom in my first podcast episode. God, you interviewed your mom? (laughs) Oh my God, I have to hear that. It's priceless. (laughs) Your mom! (laughs) Those of you who read my last irreverent insight already know that Grandma had quite the adventure at the end of April. And when you listen to this voicemail she left me, after her fourth day home from the hospital, you'll understand why I was a bit alarmed that a side effect of her stay might be mental deterioration. Hey Rachel, it's just your mother. Uh, when you're a little more free, can you just give me a call? So I'm just going to vent a little, not much, but it's my first day home. <laughs> okay? All right. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Happily, the voicemail I received the next day revealed all Grandma needed was a little Mother's Day pick-me-up and a bonus battery replacement for her TV remote. Hi, Rachel. It's your mother calling, thanking you for the beautiful flowers. And I see that also from Rebecca. I was fortunate. Jonah brought them back to the room, and then he replaced my battery and the TV kind of thing. So I'm all set. So thank you for all that. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So let's check in on Grandma. At the end of a makeup Mother's Day celebration, we hosted at our house a week after the Hallmark holiday. (laughs) So it's the gloaming, and all the birds in the neighborhood are going to bed, and they're being crazy. (laughs) And uh, I think uh, a lot has happened since people have heard from your mother. 
So last time we sat in the car after an oncology appointment where you had high blood pressure and low oxygen level and they didn't worry at all about your cancer status. They thought that was fine, but they spent the entire appointment taking your blood pressure over and over again and being very concerned about your symptoms. And so flash forward to last week when we had a follow-up with the pulmonologist who you had to see in case you were gonna try to do cancer surgery, which you are not. And she's suspicious that maybe those symptoms meant that something was happening already that caused a big uh, adventure for you a week or two later. So tell everybody about your big adventure since they heard from you last. That I began to not be able to breathe well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had noticed this for a couple of days, and I thought, oh, well, just I was out doing something different, and it'll go away. Could, could you repeat that part? What is your medical assessment <laughs> and process of dealing with the fact that you could not breathe well for how many days? Just a couple. Just a couple. Okay, <laughs> so after a couple of days passed. But what happened, I would be able not to breathe well for... You know, a few minutes, and then that would go away. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Well, it goes and away." Then, and then Sunday came around, mm -hmm. and which was the Sunday after we did our last recording. And what happened? Well, I was the woman brought up by early morning pills, mm -hmm. and she said, "You're not breathing very well." I said, "Well, I've been doing that last couple of days, and it goes away." She said, "I'm taking your blood pressure," and she took it. She said, it's very high, she said. We're going to the hospital. Mm -hmm. How did you get to the hospital? In an ambulance. And then what happened when you got to the hospital? I don't know. They put me in somewhere. And I had a collapsed lung. You had a collapsed lung. And what else did they say you had? And some cracked ribs. How many? It kept varying from three to six. Exactly. They went in and did surgery to open up the lung. Well, surgery is a little overstated. Didn't they just punch a hole in your chest? And it was surgery, believe me, I felt it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, no, it wasn't a big thing, but it was enough to put a tube in mm -hmm. to the chest. Yep. And then she pounded on it for a few minutes, mm -hmm. which really felt good. <laughs> so you had to get a, a blow-up tube in your chest to inflate your lung. Yep. And that was on a Sunday, and around about Tuesday or Wednesday, we had plus or minus six fractured ribs and a, and a collapsed lung and a confirmed hip socket fracture, which is apparently the pain you've been feeling right. in the past few months, which is why you were favoring it when you came to our house and we thought maybe we manhandled you and broke you in that whole process of visiting relatives. <laughs> And halfway through your hospital stay, how are you feeling, Mom? Halfway through it? Mm-hmm. Well, I was beginning to feel better. Um, I think that's an understatement. Were you walking around like normal? Yes. Were you in any pain? No. According to having six crapped ribs and a collapsed that's lung? That's what I couldn't feel. Well, the, the lung, they fixed it. Mm-hmm. But the ribs, I never felt. Mm-hmm. So you ended up spending a week in the hospital, basically getting waited on hand and foot and watching TV <laughs> when there was ostensibly 
Nothing wrong with you. Nobody oh, really? Nobody well, could figure out how <laughs> the x-rays could say that you had a cracked hip socket and six broken ribs, and yet you were, according to you and according to how you behaved, you were fine. Right? Yeah. So, nobody can explain it. This is a mystery that may never be solved. But uh, we let you alone for Mother's Day. We decided to let you chill out a little bit just in case we broke you again. <laughs> and now here we are a week later having a makeup Mother's Day. And how did you spend your time at our house? Very, very nicely. It's a nice time in the backyard reading The New Yorker <laughs> and uh, talking to the dogs, watching my grandson. Mm -hmm. And... He and his dad playing soccer, mm -hmm. talking to my daughter. Talking to your daughter, what does that look like? Usually I say something and you say what? I say what? <laughs> Precisely. You say what? <laughs> and then I have to repeat it louder. That's right. And Dave says, shh. It's you're bothering the neighbors. Because you mumble a little bit. I wonder know. where I got that from. I wonder, too. Mm, interesting. <laughs> So but it was you, a lovely day, I must say. It was a good day. It was beautiful weather. Uh -huh. So, uh, so, Mom, are you going to live to see another week? You're going to go home and uh, what's going to get you? Nothing's going to get you. You appear to be bomb -proof. Well, you know, I, I have the woman who'd been doing my physical therapy before. She said, I don't want you to feel like you're living in a glass house. That's good. And I said, I agree with you. So to that point, she was the one we talked to, and she said, I don't think it's a sciatica pain, which I was guessing you had. She properly diagnosed you even before you had that x-ray yeah. and said, I think it's a fractured hip socket. Yeah. We had both talked about early on what was the point of getting an x-ray. You can't get operated on. It's not going to help you. Well, so we might as well live in ignorance and just keep going on with your life. What is the one thing that we have confirmed besides the cancer that you have, Mother? That I have lung problem. I have COPD, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And what else? And emphysema. Severe emphysema, which you refuse to believe because whose fault is it that you have severe emphysema? Well, so anybody else who supposedly does not have severe emphysema would have no problem with long walks around the hospital. They would be able to breathe. Which I you was don't... breathing. Oh my God, mother. Okay, so in conclusion, when you grow up in the generation that my mother did, you at 86 years old will continue to believe that all those decades of smoking didn't actually do anything wrong. And that's why the Marble Man got so rich. So maybe we'll end on that note. Anything else you want to tell our listening audience, Mother? Well, no, I'm I'm not saying that smoking didn't cause things. We didn't realize that at the time. That's true. Right. So are you or are you not willing to now state publicly that you believe that you have severe emphysema because you smoked and were sold a pack of lies along with many, many <laughs> packs of cigarettes? My Trumpism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mom's going to the dark side. We're going to have to stop there. Yeah, I know. We do. <laughs> All right, Mom. Say goodbye in case you don't make it to the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time to hear from my fellow shit sister, Carolyn. What you'll need to know about this interview is, as with Alyssa in April, 
We reference a conversation started last fall when my three college friends and I managed to pull off our annual girls weekend in the middle of a pandemic. On the eve of launching my Irreverent Elder Care Insights, I asked each one of them how they were feeling about their future elder care obligations. In Carolyn's case, that will include two parents and an uncle who retired five hours away from where she and her husband currently work and live with their two elementary and middle school aged kids. What you'll also need to know about my amateur podcasting is each time I create my Irreverent Audio, I learn something new. Like, just because a guest uses earbuds doesn't mean her laptop mic isn't recording every slight movement. And thinking you can parent a boxer puppy while doing a podcast is overly optimistic. Never mind, Carolyn and I were blissfully ignorant of such things when we tucked into our closets with some wine for some elusive Mama Zoom time. You're back. Hooray. Now to get back in the closet with my beanbag and my wine. <laughs> also, how was your Easter? Mm. Your... It was good. It was the first time we saw mom in a year. We asked permission and then we found out we could. And then I buried the lead. Like I had to call her one day and I was like, blah, blah, blah. This super banal thing. Oh, and thing. by the way. Yeah. By the way, you're coming for Easter. And she was like, oh, what? <laughs> you're busting me out of here? Yeah, pretty much. How about you guys? It was good. We went to the Cape. We had this week off, the kids and I. So I took them for Easter and then we just stayed a couple more days. Oh, that's so nice. It was good to see them, hug them. Holy crap, you're right. The day I yeah. get to actually touch my mother, too. I know, That's... like it was weird. And they were really more comfortable than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, the visit was good, except I'm realizing I have a pretty much a teenager now. And I had to introduce him to the term FOMO. I'm like, <laughs> there's nothing happening at home that you're missing. Just Aww. relax and like enjoy being here. So he would like yeah. go and play minecraft but i'd be like uh we came here to see your grandparents and they're in the other room and <laughs> and they don't understand what you're doing they think yeah. you're reading but i know you're not reading let's start with you and i and Alyssa and Catherine, our college friends gathered last fall for a social distance girls weekend where the mm -hmm. wine was flowing, and mm -hmm. I, I will note for our listeners that the wine is flowing right now, too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so we'll, as always, we'll when we gather. <laughs> so we'll see how this conversation unfolds. We are looking at notes that I had taken from this conversation I had with you last go-round, where you all know I have this weirdo elder expertise as a function mm -hmm. of 10 years of elder issues, and mm -hmm. so you all were kind of just processing and picking my brain a little bit about where what you see on your elder horizon. So I am interested when you look back at the conversation we had and having come up straight off of a Easter visit with your parents, how are things from last fall to now? So when I was looking at your notes, yeah, I think I feel largely the same way that I did in the fall. Which is how, how would you describe how you felt in the fall? That I have not really dealt with these conversations and issues. And then over the past year, we have continued to not really talk about these things. 
I just think that it's more of the same. When I read our notes from the fall, I said, oh, my parents are becoming more sort of their personalities are, are amplified. And I was worried about, uh, for example, my dad being more and more anxious as he gets older and how right. that's going to impact everything. And just a year later and after COVID, that's just more true. No doubt. Yeah, more like they were washing their groceries. They were. <laughs> Even now when you just visited them? No, not anymore. But okay. They are on the anxious side of things. So that mm-hmm. was that was something when I read my when I was reading over the notes, I was like, oh yeah, and more so. And you brought up all these issues during that conversation that I had really not thought about. Like what? You were the first person to make me realize, oh, I'm the oldest of the siblings and cousins. I'm the mm. closest person geographically. And I'm going to be the person who has to take the lead on this stuff. (laughs) And I had really not thought about that at all. And you were like, so that's going to be you dealing with this. And not just your parents, but also your uncle Bobby, who lives by himself. And I remember, I think Kat brought that up when we were all like, oh, Uncle Bobby. Oh, Uncle Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, basically... I'm in the same place that I was in the fall and have not dealt with any of these things, but you did, you have started me thinking about these issues. So say more about that. Cause I feel like, you know, part of the conversation is I'm no elder care guru. I'm not on a mission to tell people what they need to do. This mm-hmm. conversation is much more about, you know, very specifically about people at the start and what it looks like to be at right. the start and how that can look very different depending on who you are, what your parent situation is, your geography, your sibling order, to your point, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But what I find totally fascinating is the process that you're describing and how mm-hmm. any any of us either has to engage reactively or chooses to engage proactively. So I'm interested on your last point. If last fall was the fear factor, they're mm-hmm. aging, they're anxious, I'll probably be on the hook. Oh God. <laughs> I think you were you and Alyssa both were like, I don't even know what I need to know. Then yeah. what does it mean to have come six months since then and have been thinking about that? What is that process for you? I think that I tune in more and my antenna go up more. Like what? Could you oh. give examples? So for example, when we were there last week. My dad was like, uh, so we have long-term care insurance. And and he was complaining about how expensive it was. And my antenna went up more. I was like, oh, that sounds like something I should be tuning into. You have this thing and you're paying into it. That sounds good. And then he said something like, I mean, don't they have actuaries who are supposed to figure this stuff out and figure out how long you're supposed to live? And, you know, basically, why aren't they doing that? And then, unfortunately, I kind of, we got distracted by something. (laughs) And then temperament kicks in. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got distracted and didn't think about it anymore and never went back and asked him about it. But 
he did say we have this thing and I feel like I'm paying a lot of money to it and something about it wasn't going right. <laughs> Rachel! I love this it. This is what happens. Like, <laughs> this is what happened in the fall. You make me say these things out loud and then I'm like, oh no. I really should remember. Let's play with that because by comparison, I discovered, I guess we all probably extrapolated this, but Alyssa named that her binder spreadsheet organized skill set came from her parents who after a couple little episodes basically slapped themselves into like oh, we really should do this and they all had a family meeting wow. sat down and by the time nancy her wow. sister and Alyssa walked in they were handed their own binders and organizational data so that's wow. one family's choice and we had two other scenarios on our side who handled it that way, but I know it was a function of one was a complicated second marriage and the trust and all that. And so the couple, one half of which is Dave's mom, wanted to make sure both of these families who were brought together with their marriage didn't have a mess when one of them died. So it was Bill who died first. And then Herm, my father figure, did the same because he was childless. And so the joke is, I always laugh that I think everybody looks at childless people and say, oh, they don't have anybody. The poor things are out on their own. That's why you should have children. Well, first of all, if you have kids, there's no damn guarantee that they're going to do jack for you. So there's that. Second of all, his village of friends swooped in, care took him to the end yeah, so he could amazing. die in his own bed and he was very organized in part because I was at a distance and if something hit the fan he wanted to make sure I didn't bear the impact yeah. but I feel like your situation it's not, not that you need to beat yourself up because you got distracted or you haven't <laughs> done anything since the fall I was saying to list that it's easy for me with my parents because I had to be in control so there was no negotiating there was right. no hoping or waiting for them to tell me stuff I just stepped in because somebody had to your situation we were talking about and I've witnessed in the 30 years I've known you your parents had a retirement plan they rebuilt their cape house it's their permanent home it has a room for a caregiver they can be on the first floor he's got long-term care insurance so at the face of it they've done everything right you just don't have any idea what's going on that's exactly exactly right (laughs) Like they are, they are planners and they are very forward thinking and forward looking, I think to protect us because they don't want us to have to face this stuff, but we are very much still, my sister and I in the role of child and they are still in the role of parents and they want to kind of control things and be in charge of what happens. And at some point, that won't be possible but you're completely right that's our family dynamic so you can hear all that and the reaction can be what's the problem your parents seem to have it all taken care of so what is the problem carolyn is there a problem the problem is that they're not always going to be able to have the control that they think they have and they probably know that too but at some point they won't be in charge i will be or one of them will be over the other and we'll have to sort that out. So I really do need to sit with them and get information from them. But I guess what I've done in the last year is just try to tune in more when they say things like that. 
that's what oh, I've that... done with them. And I've had a different sort of approach with my uncle because with him, I've actually intentionally, I'm trying to create more of a relationship with him. Oh, nice. Because I don't know who else he's going to have. And right. I wouldn't say I'm close to him. So yes, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to have more of a relationship with him. And, and could you describe who Uncle Bobby is so folks oh, understand yes. why you feel, feel responsible and why, yes. why yes. him out of all the relatives in your universe? So Uncle Bobby is my mom's brother and he never married and he lived with his parents, so my grandparents, for his whole life, and really was their caretaker mm-hmm. as they aged and died, and they were his family, and so he is kind of by himself now, although he, so he lives in the same town as my parents, and my parents take care of him a lot. They bring him meals, they have him over. How old is he now? He is 74, okay. I think. And my and mom, your, yeah, your parents, how old are they? My mom is 78 and okay. my dad is 77. They're a little older than him, but yet they have more of a caretaking role because he's male and living by himself. <laughs> it's going to be like, does he have a disease or is it just that he's a single white male? who? He's a single white male who like, <laughs> he does fed himself for like, you know, the past 20 years. <laughs> so he's, he's doing okay, but... <laughs> He doesn't have kids, and I think that I will end up having some caretaking role for him at some point. And I love that (laughs) while it was Alyssa and you both who were really, when we talked in the fall, said, yes, you know, the terms, what do all these terms mean? What is all the paperwork? Alyssa brought up the starter kit notion. And what I find fascinating, Alyssa actually came to me and asked, where can I put all the information we plan to get from my parents? And I said, there's an electronic Mm. option. There's a paper book option. And in the end, when I just talked to her, she didn't use a starter kit. She didn't have to write anything down because they handed her a binder. (laughs) But when I asked, really, what was it that put you in such a different position and makes you feel so much better? She was like, the conversation. And I love what you're saying now that I love the idea of putting your antenna up and I love the idea of being intentional about creating a relationship so that it feels authentic to Uncle Bobby. If you ever did have to step in or offer help that he wouldn't be like, why now? Why you? Exactly. That's cool. Exactly. And he has done so much for me over the years Hmm. that I really want to be able to help him if he needs it. There's another sibling too, Aunt Kathy. She is back and forth between Rochester and Cape Cod. In the Cape. So she will definitely be involved too. And she's the youngest of the three. And still, you know, very active and probably in the best health of any of them. But I've realized the three of them don't communicate very well. And already the younger generation is the conduit for communication. Oh, wow. This is only going to amplify more. Like my mom was hosting Easter dinner, but all the communication about the dinner went through me and my cousin, like what time to come over, who's bringing what dishes, the fact that Uh my mom was ambivalent about hosting because she wanted to be part of the conversations and not tied to the kitchen. She never said any of that to her siblings. All of that just went through the cousins. So I'm like, 
this is another challenge that will, as people figure out what they want and their wishes, are they going to be able to say that to their siblings? Uh, <laughs> or is it once right. more, is this all just going to go through people's children? I can relate to that. Um, I can't, I know, you know, in passing that my mom's brother died of Alzheimer's last year, but yeah. what was fascinating was um, purely as the function of my fearless approach to end of life and death conversations, because I've had so much practice and it feels so intuitive to me. I ended up in the same way, sort of being much more involved in that moment with my cousin and with my uncle's wife than I ever could have predicted would be true. In part, because to your point, my mom has nothing to do with it. She's Mm -hmm. geographically removed and cognitively completely removed all the time. (laughs) Like she just (laughs) doesn't process at that level. When his wife was younger, right? So there was some of it like, I definitely was the kid growing up, but by the time this moment happened, we could relate to each other's as peers. And so I fully relate to that. We all, I'm looking at one of your comments from last fall where you're like, I'm not old enough to do this. I'm too small and too <laughs> selfish. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to. Oh my God, that's still so true. <laughs> I feel very small and selfish. Oh. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're not you're not a selfish person by any means, I can say with authority at over 30 years, but I feel like even just the way you're articulating yourself about the situation and that you've got the antennas up and that you're building Mm -hmm. the relationship, it seems like you're going through what I felt myself go through with multiple family members where, oh, they just have more needs. All of a sudden they have more needs than we have. We did when right. we were little. We were dead when we right. were being schooled. We did when we were immature and naive. And now mm-hmm. slowly. And then when we had young children. Right. And now like, it's almost like that, the teeter-totter yeah. shifting on, not that they're any less wise or, or actually I was going to say, not that they're any less wise or capable, but I think that actually is it. They are still very wise, but maybe less mm-hmm. capable. Yes, I think so. And I just hope, I I guess as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, I can do spreadsheets and that kind of thing. (laughs) But really what's most important is the emotional support and the relationship support. And I feel like that is actually what I'll be best at. But I also think I don't get to pick that. I'm also going to have to know the other stuff, (laughs) like the long-term care insurance. But I think that what's most important really is the communication and the relationship piece and having them be comfortable telling me what they want and talking about these things. And even the, um, just the wording you use makes me think of the, the, the trust and the openness for the intimate physical moments. Mm -hmm. So I won't overexpose my mother, but when she came to Easter, there was one of those old people moments that happens. And I Mm -hmm. managed it without a blink of an eye. Like I've done many times over with many of my elders and my husband was like, "Mm, I don't need to know what's going on in there. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is perfectly fair because it's not his parent. It's not his intimate connection. And I know he already has done and will do for his mother those moments, but it made it very, you know, she and I have a good relationship, but I think it also made it comfortable for her because she knows nothing sort of phases me 
in in oh, that right. like it's all part of the mix and it's nothing that she has to be ashamed about that her physical abilities are different now yeah I hope that I can be like that I'm <laughs> just thinking about my mother and thinking how dignified she is and like uh, controls so here I am saying yes we have this great relationship of trust but that's going to be very hard for her I think it'll be harder for my mom than my dad, but my mom has always had this desire to control the situation and Uh be in control. For example, she's never liked things like driving on the highway or going skiing because those things are messy and you get out of control really fast. So that's going to be hard for her to lose control of herself. It's so funny. Like, so her, one of her best friends just passed away last year from Mm. Lou Gehrig's disease. Wow. And it was really hard for her. And what she kept saying over and over was, it must be so awful. Her mind is still active, but she's trapped Uh. in this body. And you could tell how she was thinking that would be so hard for me to have someone like basically doing everything for you physically but you're still your mind is still so that's going to be very hard for her and I kind of dread that uh, whole situation and meaning fear that she could have a cognitive issue or just any sort of degeneration for degeneration her. knowing it will be hard for her to lose her dignity and mm-hmm. her sense of control over things so is there anything yeah. else you would want to talk about I just have like random comments that actually aren't that I just want to say that really probably will not be germane to your podcast at all but this is such an amazing experience and it's reminding me of like I took a training on coaching Mm -hmm. and it was called cognitive coaching and basically Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing right now like you're asking these open-ended questions and oh my God, my following up. is working. Yes. And it's making me have all these thoughts. You're making me have thoughts. <laughs> and oh no. that's what like coaching is for is to like promote a shift in someone's mindset through this, these coaching conversations. And so cool. I'm just like, wow, this is really happening to me. And I'm, it happened to me in the fall. You made me think new thoughts that I hadn't had before. And so this process is really powerful. And whatever Alyssa said, about the conversation being kind of the most important thing right now. That's absolutely true for me too. And everything we're talking about is prompting. Yeah. Like I'm just more attuned and it's reminding me of coaching. And I think that's hugely powerful and thank you for carving out the space to do that. That's why listening to something like this and somebody else talking about their experience would trigger things for the listener. I think that's why I listen to so many podcasts. Listening to someone else's experience helps you think about your own experience. Like, I would love to hear your interview with Alyssa. I think that would be so fascinating. It'd be interesting to see, oh, this was another family's experience. This is how they handled it. Oh my God, her parents gave her a binder. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing (laughs) you could do. And I think that is really powerful. Watching Mm -hmm. you all not have that control or not have the insights. I can relate to the stress. I can relate to like, you want to know what's going to happen next. To be able to plan plan for it. Plan plan for it. But we really can't. But maybe we could more if we knew more. 
it's maybe it's apparently not like a course curriculum like you're you can't apply your teacher skills the teacher skill thing you also made me think of is that there is no teaching you know this too because you've been a teacher without relationships so Mm. that's why the relationship has to come first and then you can layer the spreadsheets and stuff on top of that but without the relationship and trust that stuff won't go well let's end on this note You've come so far in six months. Your antenna are up. <laughs> You're paying attention to things like long-term care for at least a few minutes. <laughs> so at least what? as long as you can pay attention. <laughs> the attention span of a fly. Yeah. What's, <laughs> what's next on the horizon for you and your elder care adventure? Oh, Rachel, I have to do more than just <laughs> have my antenna up. <laughs> I have to ask questions when they say things about long-term care insurance. (laughs) So instead of doing what I did last week, which was just say, oh, that's something I should pay attention to. La, 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 la. I am now distracted. I need to (laughs) ask questions. I know that they have done a lot, but you're right. I don't know what they've done. And we haven't sat down and really talked about it. So I need to take it to the next level and I need to figure out what they've done and how I access it and what it all is. That sounds like a fun summertime conversation as you come out of (laughs) COVID. Doesn't that sound great? I can't wait. I really need to grow up and do that instead of just being like. Stop being so selfish. I'm so selfish and small. I'm still (laughs) selfish and small. Six months later, I'll work on that. (laughs) There you go. Baby steps. Follow my monthly podcast for free on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your irreverent radio. In between, you can find support, education, and hundreds of resources on my website, thisisgettingold.com. Just add some dashes. Sign up for my newsletter to receive my latest insights, anecdotes, audio, and ever-growing list of shit. Performing my theme music is my mom and my son. My audio producer is Michelle Rado of Flying Pig Audio, and I am a Reverend Rachel, leaving you with some outtakes that explain all the noise and offer a final wise gem from my guest. Now, go embrace your own irreverence. I'm trying to like there it is there's more noise more noise oh and you move when the noise happens so maybe this would be back is it this yeah you hear it now yeah that's my foot oh no more foot moving here's the deal we can take foot moving breaks you just can't move your feet when you're talking okay (laughs) okay I feel very fidgety (laughs) you know I was so fidgety (laughs) I never knew how much ambient noise my dogs make and so I need them not to how bad is this dog noise because you know i think it's i actually think it's a lot yeah it's bad he's being a shit i mean is he trying to get in the closet no he's got this oh he's not even (laughs) he's adorable when you're not trying to record quiet things I always say my dad was a very good father. He was a good man. My mom, she's got a fan club bigger than anybody I know. But my sister and I had the front row seat that behind closed doors, uh, 
And it's why hanging out with your family and Alyssa's family and Catherine's family was always this mind blowing. <laughs> oh, you're, the parents are in charge and they don't have stains all down their shirt and they don't have duct tape on their sneakers because they refuse to wear new shoes because breaking them in is a process that they find laborious. Like it was so normal. <laughs> well, just know it never felt normal to us. <laughs> Everyone thinks their own parents are crazy. 